from Relay FM, this is Upgrade, episode 404. Today's show is brought to you by ZocDoc, Text Expander, and Clean My Mac X. My name is Mike Hurley, and I'm joined by Jason Snow. Hi, Jason. File not found. Ah, host not found. I have a hashtag Snow Talk question for you. It comes from Ryan. He says, Jason, I had a couple of questions like this. And I picked one of them today. People want to know this about you, Jason. Mm -hmm. Jason, you are a man who watches a lot of movies, TV, and reads a lot of books. Is there something you're giving up to be able to find this time? Or do you like are you limiting things? How do you manage it all? No, all my time is unlimited. I have unlimited time to do whatever Ah. I want, and I never give anything up ever. And That's how you do it. it. And it's, you know, I'm I'm going some people go twenty four seven. I'm going like thirty five eight. I'm eight days a week, 35 hours a day. That's me. I see. Uh, Look, obviously, you just have to balance it. Like, is there something I'm giving up or limiting to do those things? Well, of course. I'm giving up something else that I could be doing. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, You got got to balance it. I don't... I mean, one of the reasons um, I reduced my workload on The Incomparable this year, after 10 years, 11 years of doing it every week is that I had run out of um, sort of easy subjects of things that I already knew a lot about or had movies I'd seen a lot or all of that. I was running out of those and I was finding the grind of having to have essentially a TV series or movie or book or series of books um, every single week to be too much homework for me. And, and so all of my kind of content consumption was becoming homework for the podcast. And it was a lot. And the pace was a lot. And so I cut back. I'm only doing about half the episodes this year. And I'm having mm. guest hosts yeah. for the, the other half. And that was... So that's part of it is like, yeah, I don't have that much time in the day. I also think that you may... Because I so much of my life is kind of converted into content, I will say, um, you may be overestimating how much time I spend with movies and TV and reading books. I, I do. I mean, I read books before I go to bed and... You know, after dinner, we'll sit down and watch a movie or some TV for a couple of hours. Um, you know, that's time with, with that's family time. Um, if it's moon night, then my son is there. And if it's not, then we're watching other stuff and it's my wife and me. And, and you know, that's part of what we do. Um, what, I don't know. I mean, that's that's the thing we like to do. If I had my evenings back, we would find something else to do and spend our time in that right like then we would yeah. be playing board games or whatever you just it, it's a thing you have to balance out i was thinking the other day if i didn't do anything other than tech stuff what would my life be like and i'm not i, I mean i'm not quite sure i've always had side project stuff i'm sure that i would have like i would <sighs> I would probably do more tech stuff to fill some of that. But like part of my work-life balance really is the balance between the stuff that I do mostly during the day now uh, that yeah. is that is uh, upgrade and, and downstream and six colors and right. It's, the, it's that stuff and the stuff I do kind of in the evenings, which is reading books and watching TV or recording The Incomparable, which is generally done in the evenings too. Um, so I like to kind of have that balance. I'm fortunate that my hobbies are very similar to my job. I get to you get to do what you love, and so part of what I love is is the stuff that I then end up as doing a side projects, which kind of become part of your job. Um, it can be a, it can cut the wrong way when you when, when everything is a job, <laughs> then you have no uh, no freedom, which is one of the reasons why I cut back on 
uh, The Incomparable is I felt like it was e- eating up too much of my life. Um, but I've got, you know, I, I'll, there's also stuff that I do that is not those things and it's, it, and, and I'm not publishing things to the internet and that's fine. Like I have a D and D game that I play on, on Monday nights occasionally that is not a podcast. It's just friends no getting way. together. I know on zoom, but it's not a podcast. I have to turn that's off the, the recording thing. Um, yeah, we're doing, um, Lauren and I are doing uh, curling at our local mm-hmm. curling club that just mm-hmm. got a facility in Oakland. Um, if you want to find me, Bay Area, find me at the curling at club the curling. once, one, you know, on, once a week-ish. Um, like, we do stuff like that, too. But, like, but the answer, the big answer is, yeah, I'm sure there's something I'm giving up, but these are the things that I've chosen to do. It's it's like saying for any hobby, like, Mike, what are you giving up to be interested in keyboards? It's like, I don't know, right? Something else <laughs> that you well, would be yeah, doing something. instead. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm, I'm not, I mean, I guess if I gave, if I gave it up completely, then I'd spend more time, what, watching baseball games, listening to music, uh, lounging in the backyard, pulling weeds, mowing the lawn, like... You know, it's that's life. You got to balance all those things. It's all trade-offs. Yeah. If you would like to send in a question for us to answer on the show, just send out a tweet with the hashtag SnellTalk or use question mark SnellTalk in the Relay FM Discord. The prophecy was foretold. Jason, you have received your studio display. I have already. That was fast. That was fast. That turned mm-hmm. around really fast. I was mm-hmm. impressed. In fact, I got a. Note that my air bill had been printed before I'd even returned the display. I got that right after the right after the podcast yesterday. Wow! Or uh, last week, it was one of those things where it's like, oh, this is happening fast. Um, I I am not okay. So we did upgrade, <laughs> yeah. which meant that people heard my story. I'm not entirely convinced that people didn't hear my story and then check into it and say this is this is bad PR let's let's expedite his thing I think maybe it just happened though I think maybe the timing was was right where it it just kind of happened and this is how it turned out so the good news is I have it it doesn't have big horizontal things on it I hope that monitor that they shipped me went somewhere where somebody could look at it and go uh oh what what is happening here is this a one off or do we need to fix I our got, production that one system? got driven over to Craig's house I, I think, think maybe it maybe it, or maybe it goes <laughs> Jana in the Discord says I wonder who is currently posting about their display not arriving yeah. on the day I yeah. promise there's somebody in, in the Bay Area. Somebody in the Six Color Slack was talking about how theirs just got pushed back a couple of weeks and somebody Uh-oh. else replied, that's because yours went to Jason. It's like, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's probably what happened. Um, the, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's I, I'm pretty sure that Bob Mansfield still takes all the bad hardware. Even though he's retired, they still go to Bob's house. Gets taken over to Bob's house and then people come and retrieve from there. I'm pretty sure that's what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, Craig doesn't want your hardware. Craig's a software guy. He doesn't want your hardware. Mm. Um, anyway, I, I did hear this last week from a lot of people who work in various aspects of Apple sales and support, um, which is not surprising. Uh, the general trend of that was this is not supposed to happen like this, which is good. Good to know. It sounds, though, like a lot of my guesses about what happened last week seem to have been fairly accurate. The idea, I am told by multiple people, is to make the customer satisfied 
as quickly and easily as possible. And in times of plenty, where products are available at the drop of a hat, the idea is to do a return and a new order, and the new order will be you know, there in a couple of days, and it will be a fast turnaround. And you treat it as a return, and then they will pluck it off and say, this is faulty. But, but that's the best way to do it in order for expediency's sake, to get a new product. Because you, what you want to do is just get the, pro- the product the consumer wanted uh, in their hands uh, as fast as possible. But this was a very weird situation where that wasn't the case. Doing a new order was not going to get me a new one as fast as possible. It was going to get me a new one in 10 weeks or whatever. Um, so the right answer was what eventually happened, which was to market as essentially a repair, which is how it, I think, is how it should always work. But the other, culturally, the other thing, which is return and new order, Culturally, that happens because it's faster and less complicated for the customer, um, even though it's not really how you should do it, right? But I think Apple has just sort of normalized, like, the most important thing is not uh, following our policy. It's making the customer happy. And in most cases, that's return and replace. And this is one of those things where, like, yeah, sure, maybe that is the fastest way to do it. But I think that this that is a process that should be hidden from the customer, like... Yeah, this right. thing of you have to process a return and then we'll do a replacement. Like right. You know. Well, this this is the thing is that so this this thing that is built up around trying to make it the best thing for the customer, it gets complicated because then you're you're, you're it's not hiding the that thing from the customer. So it turns out the right answer in this case was to do to do the thing they don't normally do in these circumstances because it's it's less expedient, which is to say this is this is broken. We're going to put this in the essentially repair channel. And by repair, in this case, they're not going to repair my one that they sent me. They're going to get me a new replacement. And they're going to put that one in the flow for this one is broken. And then they'll fix it and sell it. It's refurbished or they'll throw it away or whatever they do with it. Recycle it, of course. Recycle. Um, So that was the right answer. And we did get there. I think it would all have worked out a lot better had the guy on the phone not sent me to the Apple store, which was, uh-huh. you know, everybody I heard from was, that's a mistake. If you don't have an appointment, you really can't do that. Um, you got to have a Genius Bar appointment. And the guy like made me a Genius Bar appointment and then canceled it and said, you can just go. And it's like, no, that was not the case. So that was that was where the kind of the, the guy got messed up is punting me to the Apple store when he really should never have offered me my retail store and said, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to send you a form. You're going to send that back with a, this Airbill PDF. You're going to print it out, put it on the box, send it back. I'm going to I'm going to have a replacement sent to you done. And that sort of didn't happen. Um, and uh, I did get a call from somebody at Apple about this after someone at Apple heard upgrade. And um, I told them my story. I basically said, look, I, I already had the monitor at that point, right? By the time I talked to this guy, I had already gotten the replacement and it worked fine. But I told him the story and I said, you know, here's what happened to me. Best as I can tell, it's because of this thing. If you have any influence or can, you know, on on clarifying these policies so this doesn't happen to somebody else, that would be great. Yeah. So, but in the end, I've got a display. It's hovering over my desk. It's on an arm. I can push it back and lift it up and do all those things. And it's floating again. And my desk is super uh, clean and it looks great. And it's not the nano textured one, which I, since I don't have a, a window behind me, I actually prefer because everything's a little bit crisper. Um, yeah. And it's great. So, Rami, you have the nano textured one as the review unit, yeah. right? Yeah. So now that you've had both of them in your space, you're happier with the 
with the glossy. Absolutely, because it, it's mm-hmm. just a little bit crisper. Because the nano texture that that is a textured display, and so everything looks a little. This is the trade-off. Everything looks. It a looks little, like it's behind something. It, it right? looks a little less yeah. sharp because there's a yeah. texture in front of it. Every it's almost diluted. Like you're losing the blackest blacks. Everything gets a little grayed up because of that texture reflecting. Because what it's doing is it's taking whatever light it is getting and it is it is diffusely reflecting it, which is how it is a, uh, a you know an anti glare display. But the downside of that is everything is sort of all that light is diffusely reflected and it kind of reduces the contrast a little bit. Um, if you're somebody who is like you talking about. Um, you talked to Gray about this on Cortex. Like he is a big nanotexture boy. <laughs> um, and like, I get it for people who are sensitive to reflections and like, it, it's amazing that that is available for people. Yeah. But my window is to my left. Um, there is no scenario where I'm going to turn my desk with my back to the window. I don't want that. I like to look out the window. And so I'm in a position where I don't need a an anti-glare display and I'm happy to not have one because I do think that there's a little bit of a trade-off there plus the money. Uh, I'm, I'm assuming there aren't really any, that you have no new, uh, oh, you should get the Vesa, right? It's on the Vesa now. Yeah. This has the yeah. main difference. Yeah, it's just, and I assume it's, it's just that floating. all went well. Yeah, it's literally the same uh, Vesa arm that I got when I bought my previous desk that I've just kept on moving. Yep. And so I had a I had a Dell display on it. I had the original yep. 5K iMac on it. I had the iMac Pro on it, and now I've got this display on it. But it's much lighter than those iMacs, so it's it that's kind of funny. It's it's a lot easier uh, to kind of move around. Yeah. But um, but it's the same arm. I thought about getting a new arm. They're probably nice, newer, cooler mounting arms but it works fine so yeah, yeah. Why, why, why back, back to normal i mean with the with the back studio under the desk now it actually is it feels very much like my old setup um the difference being there are fewer cables passing over the on the monitor arm because now i don't I, I all the other stuff that used to be plugged into the back of the imac is now under the desk plugged into the back of the mac studio so it's actually a little less cluttered than it used to be uh, a couple of weeks ago um, I think it was a couple of weeks ago. I mentioned uh, we were talking about the the Twitter user whose name has escaped me right now. I think the name was Chaos. I think who took apart a magic keyboard with Touch ID and was able to extract the Touch ID power button from yeah. it, so they could make their own little Touch ID button to sit on their desk. And I vowed to do this myself. All the parts have arrived. And so I'm going to do this on stream, and Jason's going to join me. Uh, so it's going to be on June 6th. I'll remind everyone about this next week, too. Sorry, it's going to be May. <laughs> I have a real problem right now, Jason, where May is being erased from my mind. Yeah. I keep doing this. I did this to you. I've been doing it with lots of things. I keep saying June 6th when I mean May 6th. For me, yeah. right now, April was rolling right into June. I'm yeah. just ready for WWE. I love it. Uh, let's do it. <laughs> let's just skip right over May. Sorry, May. You're out of here. It's going to be May one day may 6th at 9 30 a.m pacific 12 30 eastern uh half past five best time at bst mm-hmm. that's what that means that's british summertime yep uh so yeah i'll remind everyone about this next week but me and jason are gonna be hanging out for a bit and i'm gonna be trying to extract a circuit board and a <laughs> fingerprint sensor from <laughs> from a keyboard so that yes. should be fun this episode is brought to you by our friends at Clean My Mac X. 
The Mac is a crucial tool for work, education, and life. I'm sure that's something that we can all agree on here, listening to Upgrade. Clean My Mac X from MacPaw can keep it in your Mac in tip-top shape. It is the ideal decluttering app. So what exactly does it do? Clean My Mac X includes 49 tools to find and delete invisible computer junk. It helps to tune up your Mac so it can run at its maximum speed, plus it organizes disk space, showing your large hidden folders, meaning you can free up tons of space so your Mac never runs into issues of storage. It fights Mac-specific malware and adware and protects your computer. Clean My Mac X is notarized by Apple. It's also available on the Mac App Store, so it's been checked for security. And it really stands out in its design. In 2021, Clean My Mac was honored with the Red Dot Award, the UX Design Award, and has become a Webby Award nominee this year as well. One of the things I really like about Clean My Mac X is in this age of the Mac not being completely clear about how much storage space is available, I sometimes find it really hard if I need to free up some space somewhere. Uh, to just try and do that with the tools that are built into macOS. Clean My Mac X makes it really easy for me to see where I'm missing out, where some of the files I can get rid of, uh, that kind of stuff is, is really awesome. Get Clean My Mac X today with 5% off at macpaw.app slash upgrade. The discount is only valid for two weeks, so go there right now to macpaw.app slash upgrade for 5% off. Just as a final note, despite the war in Macpaw's home country of Ukraine, the team have worked hard to make sure there are no disruptions in the support and development of Clean My Mac X. The product is stable, safe, and secure. And just from a personal note, uh, we've got I absolute love to MacPaw. They're really doing the very best that they can. I'm very happy to see that everyone over there is doing well, and I really encourage Upgradings to support them. Our thanks to Clean My Mac X for their support of Upgrade and all of Relay FM. I hate you. Oh hi. Do you know this? Do you know that I hate you right now? <sighs> this is cyberbullying. You are cyberbullying me. Wait, wait. I feel what? Like. Directly, I think you are the one. You are actively cyberbullying me okay. by streaming your playdate. Oh I, yeah, I watched you stream your playdate and watched you not be able to play the games, and I was just getting more and more <laughs> mad at you, Jason, because you don't deserve it. All right, uh, I deserve I the playdate. You don't deserve the playdate. I was date learning how to play. You're, you're on, not a real gamer. I learned how to play on the stream. I, I, I had a breakthrough on the surfing game while we were on the stream. I know, that was really fun. That was the one I was talking about. That was that was hilarious to me. <laughs> you were just like, wow, just like spinning the crank like yeah. wild before realizing it controls your direction. Well, it yeah, says my crank it up. It says crank it up. So it, does. it up. It does. That was my playdate's on it. the way too. So yeah. I'm, hoping, I'm hoping I'll have mine by the end of this week and so we can talk about it. Uh, in a little bit more detail next week, but I wanted to know, like, what are your um, your kind of first impressions of the Playdate? Um, I love the hardware. I wish it had a backlight because it yeah. is very hard to use. I, I feel like this is the perfect game thing to, like, play outside because <laughs> yeah. it really needs to be well lit. Um, I, I know why it doesn't have a backlight, but I wish it had a backlight because it, it is hard to see. Unless I'm you're hoping in very somebody makes. I don't know if you remember this, Jason, but this was always the thing with the original Game Boys, right? The original Game Boys didn't have lights on them, so you could buy these lights that you would yeah. <laughs> attach to them. I hope somebody makes this for Playdate. It's like the original Kindle, where the early Kindles, I had a little clip-on book light for the Kindles, yeah. which seems so stupid, but you know, at least it made it, I could read at night. So yeah, um, hardware feels great. Um, the attention to detail in the software by Panic is great. 
Um, love the setup details, love the side loading. You can side load it on your computer, but you can also drag the file into the web interface on Playdate's website and it'll get synced to you. So very, very Kindle-like experience is what I would say. It's like, you know, you can do it either way. You can be in their system or you can not be in their system and it doesn't matter. Um, there are some games out there of varying quality. The, the, um, Honestly, if I have a criticism of Playdate at this point, it is that I, the first two games of the f- yeah. season one, um, I appreciate that one of them is an arcade game and one of them is more like an RPG game and an extended game. Yeah. I think that that is a very good bit of of uh, curating the game experience. I think it's a very smart. Yeah. I will say that finding the surfing game kind of impenetrable is. Um, was kind of reduced my enthusiasm, right? Because that's one of the two games that are there. And in the long run, and I know like it just shipped and there are going to be more games coming in. In fact, I get the distinct impression that in this last few days, as these products have started to ship, the people who had been working on Playdate games are like, oh, geez, I need to get it out there. I found one game. In fact, I played it on the stream. There was a Tetris game that didn't sideload and was very weird. And then had a when I lost at the end, it had a very very did you see that very bad frame rate problem where <laughs> suddenly it reduced to sort of like one frame every five seconds as it animated <laughs> the end of the game and and i i left a note for the developer of that game and and uh and he pushed an update that said oh yes awesome. uh i changed the ending because it turns out that the frame rate was really bad on the actual yeah. hardware because he was just using so all these developers are not even using or many of them are not even using hardware they're they're just using the the development environment so uh, you know, big picture, I would say what let me down about the play date is that there weren't enough games to choose from on day one. And I don't know what the answer is there. I think I think while it's great that Panic is talking about doing a catalog app that people can like put their games in so that there can be a place to find play date games, you can they're sideload them, store. whatever, yeah, but they need they need, if not a store, at least like a directory. They, they, they called it a store. They called it a yeah. store. I, it sounds the, like it will be both. Like you could be in yeah. their store or you can just be in as a directory linking to your own place where people buy yeah. it. But Which is kind of like the Microsoft store. That's how like the Microsoft store works. And I know it's early days. So, so you know, when when this is shipping to, in a couple of months, it'll be shipping to a larger group of people. I, I was one of the first people to get one. So it's it's early yet. But that is my, that is my real complaint is that I feel like out of the box, it should have a better selection um, mm. I wonder, I, I actually wonder, this is talking our discussion of like the binge drop versus the weekly release. I kind of yeah. wonder, given that they have what, 20 games, it's like a 10 week season. I wonder if maybe they should have put four games on week one instead of two, yeah. just to have more selection. It just, that's the part of it that I think that they've gotten wrong. But the if there's time... a must have game out there on the internet now or or in the next couple of months where people are like well yeah but just go get this game for eight dollars and it's amazing and then and then it's worth it that'll solve this problem too it's just right now there's kind of nothing although i was happy to get the um there's a space invaders game that is basically unplayable you can play it but you can't win it um and there's and there's tetris which like i said was sort of broken but was sort of playable and honestly uh having that little yellow uh play date where i can just play tetris uh, that that kind of hit the spot. That kind of made me feel happy. So I just I just want a little more variety of the games on it. But it's a beautiful piece of hardware, and I love the idea of this cute little. It's so small, cute uh, little thing. I think by the time 
they reach critical mass of shipping, which right now they are not. Um, for good reason yeah. that they're still kind of testing out their shipping. I wouldn't be surprised if I'm one of the first international people to receive one, right? Because uh, I was very early in the system, like you. Yeah, you're a couple so, before like, me. So yeah, and so you know, I know that they're like they're kind of taking baby steps in their shipping, which I think is the right thing to do, just because it seems like they're going to be really going at scale soon. My expectation is by the time that people start receiving them at scale, there will be way more games available um like yeah i'll put, I'll put a Good. link in the show notes that zach uh put out of a, like there's a wiki you know someone's keeping a, a track of some of the community games that are available and i watched a really good interview on the spawn on me podcast of cable sasa um it was kelly was uh, interviewing him and they were talking about this uh exact idea of the season thing mm-hmm. and cable's like i'm really hoping that people are willing to stick with it, right? That like sure. the, the general consensus is sticking with it. But he said, however, we do have some tools available to us that if it seems that people don't seem to like it, that we can take advantage of. My expectation there is they can maybe increase, release more games or just let someone say, hey, just give me a more now. Um, and that, we'll see how that goes. This actually reminds me a lot I know I just mentioned it, but like a lot of the conversation that we've had, and that I know that I've talked to uh, talked about on a bunch of other podcasts about um, yeah. streaming, you know, streaming releases, binge drop versus weekly drop, and yeah. we talked here about uh, very specifically about Apple, like doing the we're going to give you two or three episodes up front, and then it's going to be weekly, and this I was thinking about this with Playdate. And uh, by the way, Zach in the in the Discord says it's twenty four games, so it's a twelve week season. Yeah, it was I, originally going to be twelve weeks with one game, one game a, week, a week, and then they increased it to two games a week for twelve weeks. So this is this is my take as a you know very early play date person is is that I think they needed to do it. I I agree with the idea of not dropping twenty four games on the console to begin with, right? Like mm-hmm. like. You're gonna miss games. You're gonna have such an embarrassment of games that you're you're gonna there's gonna be a game that you would spend time with that you're not gonna spend time with. And I think it's a bad I think it's bad. I, I don't think you should do that. That said, I think starting with those two was a mistake. I, I really do. I, I think that they need to come out stronger out of the gate so people are so really enthusiastic about it. This, but this is the problem I think with the play deck because I have heard from some of the reviewers because the reviewers they got two games a day mm-hmm. for twelve days. I've seen lots of people say that uh, the surfing game is one of their favorites. I read a review that said the surfing game was impenetrable, which I nodded about. So right, but like this, this I think this is always going to be the problem. Well, that's the argument for more games, right? Because you have more chances to get something that really clicks. I think one of the things that is good about this compared to when it was initially announced is this idea of sideloading. Like they didn't talk about this for a really long time. Right. I think they actually weren't so clear about it until like a week ago, like launch day. The idea of like, hey, you can just go and get these games from wherever you want to get them and you upload them on our web tool and it gets pushed to your play date. Which reminds me of the Kindle. 
It is. Um, it is. I know a, you can do it by plugging it into, but I like that idea. Well, it's like very kindling. The difference is if you want to play it right now, the best thing to do is sideload it because it, it yep. when you put it on the there's no like force sync. It sort of just happens eventually yeah. and not in the moment. So that that mm-hmm. that is. I found myself sideloading things because I wanted them now. Also, there were some things that I could sideload that I couldn't get into Panic's tool, which I thought was kind of funny that they had put the developer had. I think Panic's tool validates like the uh, the little text file that goes with it that says what game is this and who's it from and sideloading uh-huh. does not care. <laughs> so well, that's the way to do it, right? Yeah, like that's that's the kind of the the benefit. Of yeah, it. yeah. So I just think it's it's. I think this is really interesting. I would be disappointed if they got rid of this idea because it's the whole idea. It's the name. Oh, I agree. Right. I agree. Um, I, I love the season idea, and I actually think it's... I, I would like it to be sustainable. I would like to be able to sign up for a new season of Playdate and have a season I premiere and, and have those roll out. Like I think it's actually a really great idea, especially for these games that are on this little handheld that are little fun games, having that excitement. I, lo- I love that idea. I just... I guess what I'm really saying is I would advocate for a... a uh, the modified weekly schedule that a lot of streamers are doing now where you start with a bunch and then yeah. roll them out. Start Maybe four is a better start Maybe four, or, yeah. or maybe it's two, and then two the next day, and then it's weekly, or something like yeah. that. Like I feel like there's maybe something to tweak there to co- go out a little bit stronger. I expect them to tweak it, because there was definitely in the reviews a lot of question about the 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 games, the quality of the games, if they worked or not. But I think it was hidden a little bit in the reviewers' minds because they just got two more tomorrow. And for you, you know, like you've you got two games that you didn't really like and now you're waiting, you know, you maybe had what, like five days before you would get another two. And so I think I wouldn't be surprised if again by the time they're shipping wave two or whatever, like batch two, maybe it is four games that you get. Especially because the whole idea of the play date was originally it was date synced for everyone, right? So like you would get when your play date arrived, all of the games released up to that date. It wasn't when you got it and then moving on. So when mine arrived, say mine arrives Monday, yeah. you've got four and I have four, but they couldn't do this because they couldn't get them out in the way that they right. wanted. Right, because so like, that, that yeah. is, and, and I think, imagine that for a moment. Imagine that it's a year from now or eight months from now and there are thousands yeah. of play dates out there and season two starts. That's, I think that's why they're going to do season two because they'll actually get to live out what they wanted. Right, you know? and everybody experiences those games together. That yeah. is perfect like i get mm-hmm. why you wouldn't want to do this now because like i said i'm not saying drop 24 games on the system when it ships i i'm, I'm not saying that but um yeah it all and it's early days i think that's the bottom line is it's early days and if you yep. get one of these three months from now or six months from now then you're going to have lots of content out there that yep. is going to be available and that that's my feeling now is that being this early on even though they've had you know a couple of years to work on this it still feels like on the on the actual game side, it's just it's just light, and it may just be that the curtain is only now coming up, and this will be very different in a few weeks. And I hope so because the hardware is great, and I love the idea of this model too. It's fun, and it's fun that it's people we know. Obviously, the gaming business there's lots of 
there's lots of uh, big corporations that have all sorts of ways of structuring gaming game rollouts and stuff like that. But this mm-hmm. is like the indie game experiment that's going on, indie game handheld. And I like that. I, I think it's interesting because you, you we get to debate the models and they are they are seeing their their uh, plans meet reality right now. And that's fascinating, too. Right. Yeah. Because they've had two, two, three, four years to think about what this would be like. And now reality will hit and they'll realize some of their assumptions were wrong and they're going to have to adjust. Yep. That's fascinating. What I love about last thing on this, we're going to be talking about Playdate for weeks, right? Because like, <laughs> I'm going to want to talk ready. about it more when I get mine. You know, just, look, I mean, but we've been talking about it for years on this show, right? Like we've been so excited about it. But it's been so fascinating to me, like as I am watching more games media, just to hear how people refer to Panic. Like they are the oh. company from Goose Game and Firewatch. Yeah. Right? It's just interesting. And I don't criticize that, by the way. Like, if you are a video game outlet... Yeah, that's the content. Don't talk about Transmit. What's the point, right? Like, it doesn't... You know, like, it's like, oh, we they all know a, that they're the company from the truck of the FTP yeah. client, but that's like, not... not yeah. That's not what it's really it interesting. is to everyone so, else. I mean, and it's like, this is clearly what Panic want, right? Panic want to be seen as both, and they should be, because they, right, they are in that world. Like, they are both a Mac developer and a game developer. I actually really wonder what their future is. I think possibly they will be a games company. Mm. I think that they are on a they are on course to be a games company. And I am really intrigued to see what that ends up at because there is a lot of money that they can make from this market because games are so big, right? right? And and at a certain point, they may have to make some decisions. And, and, and I could really imagine them scaling back a lot of their Mac stuff to focus on game stuff because that's it's in the DNA of the company anyway. It's potentially a an iPhone Mac thing yeah. where, where you tap into a very small portion of the games market, but it's so huge compared yeah. to the Mac software yes. market. What is that thing that Steve Jobs said, like that tiny percentage of the phone market and how big it would make? Like, you know, when they when they announced the iPhone, when they launched yeah. the iPhone, and they were talking about just getting a slither of the smartphone market, how big it would be for them? Mm-hmm. like that. Well, I use Transmit, so... so uh, I, look, they, they, they're, they're, I think they're always going to employ Mac developers at, uh-huh. at Panic. But yes, it would be very interesting if Panic was the uh, game's... Indie game darling that also makes an FTP client and a development tool on the side. I think, Jason, I think they are that now. They, I think that's maybe what so. they are now. Maybe so. Love it. We'll see. I can't wait for mine. I, I really want it to hurry up. I'm so excited. Uh, we're talking about binging. Yep. It is impossible for us not to do some upstream this week because it's true. The news has been <laughs> Mike. We did two episodes of downstream last week. Two. It's a, an every other week podcast. I am so happy that you did. You you pulled the the cord and did the emergency <laughs> first ever at uh, the inaugural emergency episode of downstream yeah. because, like always, you know, and I'm sure, I know this is why you do the show. Like, and, and I get it. Like, just listening to Julia talk through her thought processes is just like, oh my god, she's like the smartest person on the planet. She like, is. She's just so freaking smart. So I really implore people listen. Uh, to downstream episode 16 because honestly nothing that i add here is really going to be that much value uh you can already hear jason have a more intelligent conversation about this <laughs> but cnn is cnn plus is dead it's dead a lot, a lot and of netflix jokes had a bad quarter 
and uh, yeah, that's basically CNN Plus. Here's here, I'll see, see if I can do the TLDR here. Mm-hmm. Um, CNN Plus is dead. A lot of takes out there about how it was a flop and people didn't like it. Truth is, it had nothing to do with its launch. It had nothing to do with its number of subscribers. Um, it, Warner Media was basically spun out by AT and T and merged with uh, Discovery Communications, and that finally that approved and closed like last week. Or two weeks ago and discovery uh, now it's warner brothers discovery is the new company and the people like in charge of warner brothers discovery all the people who were in charge at, at cnn and warner media left like they're out they're out and the new team does not want an additional streaming service devoted to news not part of their strategy they're really talking about merging i think everything in basically under hbo max and so rather than go through the motions for a while and shut it down or merge it in, they just decided yeah. to shut it down now and then figure out what they're going to do. So this was much more about the new team coming in and saying, we don't want this. This is not a direction we want to pursue than it is about there, there's literally no what I said to Julia is there's no realistic subscriber number in the first three weeks of CNN plus that would have change their minds it literally yep. could not have happened because that's that's not what this is about but what what an ob- just an obscene waste of money right it, it it is it depends on what they do with it right like they they need i to mean s- they can still do things but th- there was a a, a inconsequential amount of money wasted yeah. the marketing was completely wasted they they signed talent it's possible they will repurpose that talent and it won't be wasted they uh-huh. it's we don't know what the other part of this is but they may do some streaming shows on cnn's app or their website and put things in hbo max and like they're not going to get the marketing budget back and there are going to be people who lose their jobs and they're going to pay severance and all of those things are going to happen like that's that's absolutely true in the, in the aggregate, it remains to be seen how much of this they choose to salvage and how much of this they choose to dump. But, you know, the new people coming in have no ego to bruise about the bad decisions made by the previous regime, right? It's very easy uh-huh. for them to say, nope, <laughs> and and just wipe it out. And that's what's going on here. So, so yeah, this is, sure, that, that old group decided to launch this thing anyway. I have a theory, which is that Jeff Zucker, who is the head of CNN, basically said, look, I know David Zaslav, who's the CEO of the new combined company. He'll, he'll let me do this. We got a plan. It'll be fine. But of course, Jeff Zucker got fired. And so he wasn't even there. And the other people who were there all basically lost their jobs. And the new people came, coming in were not impressed. So I, that's my theory is CNN Plus um, was launched and Julia said as much as like, it was sort of a, well, if we launch it, then they can't kill it. And they, they killed it. <laughs> it didn't matter. They killed it anyway. They're like, aha, how, what will you do now that we've launched it before you, literally like a week before you took over, we launched it. And they're like, yeah, we're still going to kill it. Sorry. that's they, uh, It's like, we called your bluff. Well, we called your bluff that called our bluff. And now it's dead. Yep. Uh, the bigger news to me, honestly, though, and I think in general, uh, it's funny that like this could happen and there could still be bigger news in streaming media is that Netflix lost 200,000 subscribers uh, in Q1 um, after estimating they would gain 2.5 million. Yeah. 
And but the, I think the bigger part of it is saying that in the next quarter they're going to lose another two million paying subscribers. What do we know from Apple results? By the way, Apple results later this week we'll be talking about yep. charts and numbers next week. Mike's favorite Woo! episode. Oh boy, I can't uh, wait. Oh yeah, so it's always about like Wall Street cares about where you're going, not where you've been, because yep. where you've been is already priced into the stock. It's where you're going yep. that they want to they want to do. So ne- Netflix losing a little bit. It is a milestone, but at the same time, if they hadn't turned off their service in Russia, they wouldn't have lost. They would have they would have still gained. Uh, but they say they're going to lose two million next quarter and there are lots of reasons for it julia goes into some of them on downstream i think um it is a milestone because uh as i said on downstream one of my favorite uh quotes ever is john madden the football coach saying that winning is a great deodorant and i know i've used that quote here about apple in the app store but it's also true of netflix which is it's very hard to do cultural change when you're winning even if parts of what you're doing aren't working, even if parts of what you're doing are showing signs of weakness, it's very hard to make cultural change when you're winning because you're winning. Who cares about this part? We're making money. We're growing. It doesn't matter. And then you're not winning. And all of a sudden, like what happened with this is that during the, it wasn't even a press release, like during the commentary after announcing that they had lost subscribers, the CEO of Netflix said, Oh yeah, we'll do we're going to do an ad tier. Sounded so desperate. And it it you know, but what and it was desperate, but what he's really yeah. doing is trying to send a message to investors to Wall Street saying, "No, no, no, we've got plans. Like this we're going to do this." But it, but they've been so adamantly like, "No, no, we are a premium service that we don't have that." And and immediately like, "Oh yeah, we're going to do an ad tier too." So but that was a sacred cow that is gone now. And I think that is what I think we have to watch at Netflix now is they are now, uh, they're in a great position. They've spent the last decade being first in streaming. And it means they are now a giant of entertainment uh, up there with Disney and HBO and all the rest. Great. Yeah. But now they're in, they're, they've gone from being like the land rush to being at cruising speed where they are yeah. just in the trenches I'm mixing all the metaphors here, but right, they're fighting it out now. The, the the big expansion period is over, and now they just have to run themselves like an entertainment company, and it means they have to think about ads. It means they have to think about their development program where they they, they you know they drop everything. Um, they don't market it very well. They drop it, and then they move on. They do a lot of quantity, but the quality is really not there. They don't have a lot of banner, like high profile stuff that really brings people in, like how Disney has been able to do it with Star Wars and Marvel. I think HBO is a a better um, comparison there because like Disney have it in the pocket already, right? They've They've got the people you want to hear about. Like they've got Star Wars. They've got Marvel. HBO have to create new ip right they're in the same boat as netflix well really. yeah but they, like, they've got dc they've got some intellectual property there right theoretically sure, but Harry HBO, Potter. i feel like hbo max has been creating a bunch of shows right that are like these are brand new things you've not heard about before and you want to watch them but the the big picture here is that yeah is that netflix uh has really become the perception of netflix is that they're just a fire hose of content yeah. and that even when there's something big that's coming to netflix that people want to see that they don't know about it and then if you pay not are not paying attention the one or two weeks they're promoting it you don't even know that it happened like it's yeah. really easy to like love a show and then miss that it came back because of the way Netflix has approached this and what what we're going to see is Netflix is going to change that too as easily as Netflix said oh no we're going to do a cheaper ad tier 
and they're not going to put ads on your Netflix, but they are going to offer Netflix for cheaper if you watch ads. That's what they're going to do. Like literally everybody but Apple so far is doing. Uh, so they're going to do that, but they are going to change the, they're going to experiment more with the binge drop thing and going back to maybe a weekly schedule. They're, they're going to change what they develop. They're probably going to develop fewer things. They might, and I know this seems like kind of a wild idea, they might be a little less quick with the trigger of canceling a show after two seasons if it's promising because mm. they might realize that they actually need to cultivate that and build that catalog where things have a, a satisfying ending instead of just being cut off because it doesn't matter. It's all just water in the fire hose, right? Like we will see Netflix questioning now all of its sort of sacred cows that have made Netflix Netflix, which is good because if you compare Netflix to the policies of all of its competitors, it, so many of them are outliers and they're really not outliers for good reasons. They're outliers because Netflix went first, made some decisions and has not had any need to revisit them. So it's going to be fascinating to watch the changes at Netflix now that they're they're literally just playing in the big leagues, which is great, but they're playing in the big leagues with HBO Max and Disney and and then down the line, you know, Paramount Plus and Apple TV Plus and stuff like that. They are they are in they are in it now and it's a struggle for them. So they're going to it's going to be a challenge for them. Rumors continue that Apple have actually already made a deal for NFL Sunday Ticket. This is from Matthew Baloney at Puck News. Quote, my sources say it's apples to lose at this point. One source told me this weekend that the deal is actually done and is being kept quiet at Apple's request. Right. So for people who don't know, NFL Sunday Ticket is how you watch all the NFL games that are out of your local market. So your local TV stations are showing a couple of games. Mm -hmm. But in the NFL, there are like whatever... Uh, 14 games on a Sunday, something like that, that are nationally, they're not nationally televised. They're only on local stations. So if you're a fan of an out-of-market team or if you just want to watch like the best teams and not your local teams, uh, I used to be a Sunday ticket subscriber. It's great. And it's it, it's been a DirecTV exclusive. So basically people would get satellite dishes on their roofs just for this product. It was a great driver of... Uh, satellite TV into people's homes, which is why they spent so much money on it. Now, Apple is going to do something different with it, although I think it's similar, and I'll, I'll get to that in a minute. But I, it would totally, I totally believe that Apple's already made this deal, and it's just quiet, because I think that's what happened with Major League Baseball. It's the same thing. And they just waited until they had an event to announce it. I totally believe they're doing this. I think it's going to be um, a big deal, because more people will have access to this product than currently do because they don't have satellite TV, but they have the internet. I, I have some questions about like bars and things that do Sunday ticket. I wonder if that will be belonging to Apple or whether maybe the NFL will offer a, an alternate kind of package that's for public exhibition stuff. Cause there's a question of like, how can you put on 10, can, can your internet in your bar handle 10 different HD streams of different Apple things on all of your TVs, right? Like, I, I, I wonder about that, but that's like a minor thing that there's probably a technical solution for um, or a contractual solution for. But um, but no, it's, it's another example, like with baseball, of Apple getting into sports and having, I think... I think they'll charge for this. I think this won't just be an Apple TV Plus thing. I think there'll probably be a premium, you know, Apple TV Pro Max uh, something to get this. But um, but I think that Apple's motivations are broader, which I guess brings me to my theory, Mike. I told you I had a theory that I wanted to get Yeah, out. I want to hear your theory. All right. So um, 
I've had a lot of a lot of people talking about the baseball thing and the and this NFL thing too, and saying like, well, Apple's going to pay more, even though they're giving away the baseball games for now. The goal is just to get people to try Apple TV Plus and drive uh, drive people to subscribe eventually because they're going to want to do it, and, that, and then they'll get their money, and that's what what it's for. Um, get people into Apple service ecosystem. My theory, and I think the Sunday ticket thing goes along with this, is that they're actually doing something that is kind of like what DirecTV did, which is what you want to do is increase your addressable market. So in the case of uh, of the sports stuff, I think it's another way for them to drive adoption of devices that can play Apple TV Plus content which means devices right. with a TV app. Not Apple TV boxes necessarily, but devices that have the TV app. And my, I, I was thinking about this because of my friend Greg, uh, Greg Noss, who I've known since college. Hi, um, he's a Dodger fan. I don't hold that against him. but Well, I do a little bit, but it's okay. He holds me being a Giants fan against me. It's fair. Uh, rivals. So he was complaining because the Dodgers were on uh, Friday Night Baseball um, week before last. And he said... And I said, it's free. You don't have to pay Apple. He was complaining about having to pay Apple, uh, which is a common complaint, right? It's like, I already pay for the thing and to get the Dodgers, and now this game isn't on, and Apple's supposed to want my money for it? What is that about? But what I realized is, okay, well, it's free. And his response was, well, yeah, but I have to watch it on a computer. And I said, do you not have a device that will put Apple TV app on your television set? And he said, no, I don't. None of my TVs support it, and I don't have a streaming box that supports it, so I would have to watch it on a computer. And I thought, well, this is one of the reasons Apple is doing this. Apple is doing this in part, at least, this is my theory, because what it really wants to do is not just get people to sign up for Apple TV Plus or sample Apple TV Plus, but what they also want to do is motivate people to buy equipment and and you know it could be a new TV sure but it could also be a $20 Roku stick right it, these things aren't that expensive actually it means you have to go down to the store you can probably get one at a convenience store you certainly can get one at Target or Walmart a tw- I, I got one for my mom a $20 Roku box or stick or whatever or, or an Amazon one if you want to do that um, buying a a relatively cheap thing that you attach to your TV or setting up your TV's smart features that you haven't set up, whatever it is. And if Greg did that, if Greg spent $20, bought a Roku stick, attached it to his TV so he could watch the Dodgers on Friday night, he's now part of the potential addressable audience for Apple TV. Not all those people are going to buy Apple TV, but I think it actually benefits Apple to have people have TV sets with smart features in them that include the TV app. And it also kind of benefits everybody, right? It also benefits uh, anybody else who who might uh, not have been addressable before. But it certainly gets Apple now. How do you get people? Because it's only really recent TVs and boxes that support the TV app. Because Apple made that deal a couple years ago, right? Two, three years ago. Um, well, this is a great way to motivate people that. And NFL Sunday Ticket will be a great way to motivate people to do that. And then, you know... If if you buy a twenty dollar Roku stick for baseball, maybe you stick around, maybe you don't. But yeah. it, I, so that's that's part of my theory about one of the calculations they're making here is to actually how do we get people in a position where they could even consider watching Apple TV Plus? And here you go, you don't have to pay for the baseball game; you just have to make sure that you've got an app that supports it. I think that's interesting. It is funny, right? Like because it. Um definitely severs that idea of like uh 
hardware software talking together like that's what we do at apple like they they right. do have to let go of some of the hardware part for the service part sure. right like we just have to try and make the best apps we can on the hardware that we have available to us i did see like on a similar point uh charlie chapman i saw a tweet the other day saying i guess by acquiring those mlb games rights uh, apple kind of bought a bunch of native local news coverage across the whole country explaining exactly what apple tv is and how to use it yeah Right. Everybody's like, favorite baseball team mm-hmm. will explain at some point, or or newspaper or sports website or whatever. They're all going to have to explain week by week to fans of new teams every Friday. Here's how you get Apple TV set up, and yeah. and again that goes hand in hand, right? Because it may be if you don't have this and you want to watch it on your TV, go buy a Roku stick. You know, and and you're like, well, okay, that's not an Apple TV box. So why would Apple do that? And the answer is, if if they can get in front of them with with the TV app, anyway, it's good for Apple. This episode is brought to you by Text Expander. Get your team communicating faster so they can focus on what's most important. With Text Expander, your team's knowledge is at everybody's fingertips. You can get your whole team on the same page by getting information out of silos, you know, out of that Word document, out of an email, and into the hands of everyone that needs to use it exactly when and where they want and need to use that information. You're able to share your team's knowledge across departments so that everybody is sending unified messages to your customers and isn't spending time reinventing the wheel. Here's how it works. First, you store it. You keep a company's most used emails, phrases, messaging, URLs, and more right within Text Expander. Then you share it. You get your whole team's access to all of the content that they need to use every day. You organize it by department. And finally, expand it. Deploy the content you need with just a few keystrokes on any device across any app that you use. It's that easy. Text Expander is available on Mac, Windows, Chrome, iPhone, iPad, you name it, it's there. We use Text Expander for these very reasons here at Relay FM. We use it as a great way to share. Uh, information that we send to companies that we work with. We use it as a way to share some sponsor copy between the people that need it here. So with just a couple of keystrokes, you have the most up-to-date version of that thing. It doesn't need to be checked. It's just there. It's synced. Everybody has it. As a listener of Upgrade, you can get 20% off your first year. Go to textexpander.com slash upgrade to learn more about Text Expander today. That's textexpander.com slash upgrade, and you'll get 20% of your first year. Our thanks to Text Expander for the support of this show and Relay FM. This is a, one of the weirder things I've seen you put in our document. <laughs> it says, Jason wants to talk about Apple Park logistics. All right. Uh, yeah, I do because it's one of those things, you know it, when you listen to a podcast and you want to talk back to it and you can't because yeah. you're just a listener. So I have, talk about it on your own podcast. I have my own podcast. That's right. Yeah. Uh, the talk show, episode 343. It's a really great episode. It's Paul Kaposis from Rogue Amoeba. They talk about baseball and audio hijack, near and dear to my heart, both of them. It's great. Yeah. Um, they're speculating a lot about this thing that we talked about a, a couple weeks ago, the idea of the special event on the day of the WWDC keynote that Apple says will be happening in person with developers and students at Apple Park, right? Yep. In person where they'll watch the videos on a big screen. And um, my understanding is it's outside. I imagine it's going to be in the ring somewhere whether it's the rainbow stage or be the rainbow stage. or a modified well the only reason it might not be the rainbow stage is maybe they need to modify it in order to have more people there but the they've already got right. a big stage set up so it seems like the mm-hmm. best place um what 
was interesting. So they were they were speculating about it, and I just wanted to go over this as somebody who's been to a bunch of events at the Steve Jobs Theater. Now, um, I really do believe, as I said on a past upgrade, this is going to be a relatively small number of people brought in to the inside of the park, to that stage or something like it for kind of a PR and photo opportunity. You know, we're starting to get the community together. We handpick some developers and we have a bunch of student developers we want to show off, right? Apple loves that, like to have that kind of opportunity. I will say as a sidebar, and this is a, you know, journalist problem, but I'm I'm dreading being invited to come to the event to interview the fans or students or whatever who are there because it's really important to cover the actual content of the keynote. And I, I, I'm only one person. <laughs> I can't cover the content of the keynote and cover people watching the keynote, right? Like if, if I had, if I had to choose, I would choose the content of the keynote. So I'm, I'm troubled by that a little bit. I'm actually kind of afraid of that. I'm hoping that that won't, they won't make me make that decision. Uh, <laughs> make you, but sure. well, you know, it's very hard to turn down a, a request yep. by Apple to go to Apple yep. park and all of that. And yet it might make my coverage worse. And so mm, anyway, so uh, what I want to talk about though, is the logistics of it because uh, Gruber and Kafasas were talking about this a little bit. And I don't know about John's experience going to events at the Steve Jobs Theater and how he gets there. And I don't know if he rents a car or if he just takes an Uber or something to the Steve Jobs Theater. He is right in when he talked about about access to Apple Park versus Infinite Loop. Infinite Loop, you can just go there. Like even now, but certainly even back in the day when it was the HQ of Apple, you could just get off the freeway, get off 280, you make a right turn at the end of the off-ramp, make a left turn at the light, and you are, and then a left into Infinite Loop. And you're on the loop and you can park in the parking lot where the employees park and the the company store was in, I don't know if it's still there, maybe it's still there, um, is in Infinite Loop 1. You're literally in the building that Apple people are in, but there's a little store at the beginning of it. Like, it's just right there. When they, it was designed as an office park when Apple was not what Apple is now. So Apple Park was designed as a fortress. And so as a result, there is a visitor center there with an Apple store. It is across, and you've been there, right? Yeah. It's across um, Tantau Avenue. It's the Tantau Visitor Center. So it's a, you know, it's a two-lane street. It's across the street from Apple Park. But it's not really across the street from Apple Park. It's across the street from the, the fence and the embankment and the trees. And then in the distance, that you can see the ring, right? It's not close. Uh-huh. No, you, you just get like a... You know it's out there. Yeah, it's, I can sort of see it through the trees. but And it was definitely built to keep all the fans who came to yeah. Infinite Loop at arm's length from Apple Park. That's the whole purpose One of that of the things center. I find so interesting, because you can go up on the roof, right, and you can look at it, right? And the, the thing that I find so interesting about that, as you say, it's not super close. It's like kind of across the street. You can't, at least with the last time I went there, with the wide-angle lens, you can't get a photo of the whole ring. This yeah. is how big Apple Park is. Yeah. Like, it's so large. You, you zoom all the way out, and you still can't. You have to panorama if you want to get uh-huh. an image of the entire, like, the, the building. Yep. So, um, it is, uh, it's big. The Steve Jobs Theater, which I have been to, you know, what you're doing is you walk across the street. There's a essentially, like, a, a pass-through, a check-in desk uh, building there. Um, that 
that you, for an event at the Steve Jobs Theater or a briefing or whatever, you check in and then they pass you through to the other side. It's very weird. It's a it's a, uh, a mirrored building, so like the, both sides are exactly the same. It's very strange. So you pass through right. to the inner universe of Apple Park, and then you go up. If you're going to Steve Jobs Theater, you go up the hill to the left, to the south, and Steve Jobs Theater is there. Steve Jobs Theater is at a remove from the actual proper Apple Park. It's kind of off on the edge. Um, so you're not actually close to the the uh, the ring when you're at the Steve Jobs Theater. Um, the uh, so I think they could do it like they doing an event with how many people at, inside the ring. Like they could totally do it because what they would do is they would set up the same thing where you would go from the visitor center and you'd pass through, showing your that you're approved, and then you would be sent off to the right instead, presumably, and they uh-huh. would have, and and they don't let you run free. There's no free roaming no. at Apple Park. The doors are all locked. When you, know, you know. well, when you're going <laughs> to the Steve Jobs Theater, it it's a uh, it's several hundred yards uphill yeah. to get to the theater, and I will just tell you. Not 10 yards goes by that there isn't an Apple employee there being very friendly and welcoming you and telling you where to go. But like, <laughs> you're not alone at the. Th- now, I've so, been there for this a way briefing. So. This way, so. <laughs> I've been there for a briefing and that hasn't been the case. And it's been a little eerie because I'm like, I could just take off and run and where would I go? But then that wouldn't be that great. So, but my say, my point is they do crowd control. They're not going to let you go off the path. So they would have a path that would take you to whatever point they're ushering people through to get to inside the ring to a theater that was inside the ring, assuming that that's where it's going to be. Shouldn't be a problem. So there's questions about that. I don't think it'll be a problem. But here's the yeah. the, the, the piece of info that I wanted to dump that I, I think that they didn't really get to in the talk show that I want to mention, which is there is an underground parking lot beneath the visitor center. It is enormous. It's at least two levels. I think it might be more levels than that. And, and they're very, very large levels. So so in terms of getting people to drive to Apple Park uh, for the people who are not like Ubering there to drive to Apple Park and park at the visitor center on a day where there's a special event. So they're not going to let any employees park there. It's just going to be invited guests. Trust me, they can get a lot of people to park mm. and walk across the street and go to the event. It's not a problem. That that parking lot is built for that. There, there are an enormous number of parking spaces under there. I don't think it's a problem. Um, Even if it was more people than could fit in the Steve Jobs Theater, I don't think it would be a problem. It's certainly not a problem. Like, I parked down there. Um, One time I had to go down an extra level, and, like, it was kind of creepy, and there's nobody down there. So uh, what I'm saying is it's not a big deal to get people in Apple Park. Now, Uh. I am sure this is not part of Apple's original plan, right? Their whole plan was Steve Jobs Theater, (laughs) The whole plan was you park in the underground lot, go across the street, go in the doors, go to the left, Steve Jobs Theater, big event. We built this beautiful, state-of-the-art, incredible facility for people to come and watch our presentations. But COVID. And so they're going to do an open-air thing. And like, great. Uh I I think it's great improvisation. but, But I just wanted to say... I don't think that this is one of those things where you can say, well, I don't really think they're going to have, I mean, I don't think they're going to have 5,000 people in there, but I, I think that they can make it, make the logistics work uh, just fine. Um, yep. People are talking about a, a bus, like 
where would maybe. the bus come from? Because this is not like it's not like the developers and guests. Maybe some of the special guests would be would be translated maybe over the there. Students. I could imagine them picking if, up if the students if from somewhere being, in San Francisco. Sure, if they're being put up somewhere. But so many Possibly. of these things are going to be just like people show, look, it's the suburbs. They're just going to show I, up. I wouldn't be surprised if they had a group rate again at a hotel like they used could to be. do at WWDC. Could be. I mean, shuttle buses can happen. But I, I guess what I'm just saying is if you invited literally just people from the Bay Area and told them to drive there, it yep. would be fine. It's the mm-hmm. suburbs. Apple built a lot of parking. They built parking at under the visitor center specifically for public events uh, at places like the Steve Jobs Theater. So there's a lot of parking down there. I'm sure it's mostly used by Apple employees during the rest of the time. But when I go there for special events, there's a person there that makes sure you're not an Apple employee before you're allowed in. They're like, if yeah. you're an Apple employee, you got to turn around. And I'm like, I am not an Apple employee. They're like, all right, sir, move along. So anyway, I, I think that's what they'll do. Um, I don't know if they'll invite the media or not. I'm still thinking that it's possible that they will invite the media either to cover the special event or even potentially to have the media go if they're, you know, if they pass a test and are vaccinated, maybe even in the Steve Jobs Theater. But if not that, then out in the out in the uh, the outside to do that. There may be a media contingent there. It's yeah. unclear. But anyway, it, it, parking's not going to be a problem. And uh Apple is capable of turning that that you know doing an outdoor event at that campus, even though that wasn't the plan. Should we go down to the rumor roundup? Let's uh, put on our spurs. Marshall Ming Chi Kuo, name suggested Yeehaw. by Tony and the Relay FM members Discord. Yeehaw. Marshall Kuo is reporting at the front nope. facing camera. No, that doesn't work. It's you a little like too that? close to Roger Kuo. It's, it's, it's Ming Chi Kuo. No, I, I called him Sheriff Gurman. Yeah. Okay. All right. Right? right, it's fine. It's just Marshall's also a name, <laughs> so it sounds like yeah, his name I'm, is Marshall. But I'm Whoa. not saying that. Okay, sheriff could be somebody's name. All right, the marshal. What is the marshal reporting? The marshal is reporting that the front-facing camera of all iPhone 14 models would be upgraded to get autofocus capability. One of those things that every time I see a headline like this, because there was one of these a little while ago, it was for something else, but it's like. Wait, it doesn't have it? No, it doesn't have it. The front-facing camera does not have autofocus capability. Uh, There will also be a wider aperture on the iPhone 14 front-facing camera to allow more light into the lens. Not only could this lead to better portrait mode, it will also give overall image quality gains for the front-facing cameras, which are always great. And I guess uh, I saw somebody say this on Twitter, we'll just continue to show just how bad the rest of Apple's front-facing cameras on their Macs are when the iPhones just get better and better and better. Exactly. The first iPhone 14 molds have leaked on uh, Chinese social media network Weibo. Uh, These always come out kind of around this time and then not too long after YouTubers get their hands on uh, production like dummies, you know, so like these are just like built from the specs. Uh, If these are genuine which, I mean, they might as well be because what all they're really confirming is the sizes, which we've known about for years so that Apple were going to be moving to this, which is two regular-sized phones, two Mac-sized phones. So there will be the iPhone 14 and the iPhone 14 Max and then the iPhone 14 Pro and the iPhone 14 Pro Max. So, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's the way it's going to be. I am, look, I mean... Uh, I'm a iPhone mini user, apparently one of the few, the happy with the mini. Clearly it didn't sell well. And 
I think it's going to be really interesting to see what the uptake is on the bigger, you know, iPhone 14 Max, right? The it's idea of sell so much of these I this sort of base model but big, how that's going to do, and it'll be interesting mm-hmm. how Apple views it. I think Apple must figure that people like a big phone, but they don't necessarily like the big price of the Pro Max. Yep. That That is a limiting factor where people are like, oh, that's too much. I'm just going to get the regular phone. And uh, and it makes sense. It makes sense. They, it's funny, too, because they did with the XR, um, they did a big, cheap phone at one point, and then they kind of stopped. And I, I wonder if that was the experiment to see how people reacted to it, and now they've put it into the, the regular line. Makes sense. I think the problem is big, cheap, right? Yeah. Like the 10R was downgraded, and I don't think that that helped that device. Um, this will be big, more expensive, but still cheaper than Pro. Yeah. So I think will be overall. I think this is a better lineup because I don't think people should be punished because they want to have a big screen that I they agree. have to spend a thousand dollars for it. I agree. Um, and. You know, look, I'm sorry to Jason and every other iPhone mini uh, user. I've said this before. You can't complain. You should have just bought more of them. I guess I, mean? I should have bought more than one. You should have bought every iPhone mini user should have bought four. Well, there's know, a thing we always say when a when a like a local business closes where it's like, wow, I guess that one time we went there wasn't enough for them to stay in business. That's how I feel about the, <laughs> the iPhone 14 mini. It's like, wow. I've like, never heard that before. That's oh, yeah. Really yeah. Good. It's like, oh, we went to that restaurant twice. Well, I guess the two times we went to that restaurant in the last six years was not enough to keep it in business. Uh, that's how I feel about the iPhone 14 mini, right? It's like, oh, well, yeah. I guess the one iPhone 14 mini this that I like, bought was not enough to keep it in circulation. Oh, well. And look, look, you know, dear listener, I'm not talking about your favorite thing here, but it's always funny to me when I see like such and such websites closed down or such and such magazines closed down and everyone's like, oh man, this used to mean so much to me. And it's like, yeah, but that's the key part, right? Like it used to. Like I get that you nostalgically will miss this magazine now that it's not going to be published anymore. Sorry, MacWorld. MacWorld is still published though, right? MacWorld uh, in in a digital sense, yes. Yeah, but I think in the UK there's still a physical MacWorld. Uh, no, I don't think it's physical in the UK either. No, maybe no. got rid of it. Anyway, but my, the point is, is is like these things. If if you kept if you were able to translate your nostalgia to money, it would still be around. The problem is everybody stopped buying it. Like. Otherwise, it would stick. It's funny that you mentioned this because I wrote about this last week. <laughs> and we'll put a link in the show notes. I wrote a piece about the HomePod and the studio display mm-hmm. and what they had in common that was uh, at least partially based on the fact that Marco Arment was talking about how um, he loves his HomePods and they don't make them anymore. And how yep. there was a news story about how HomePods are now going for more than their list price on eBay because the people yeah. who love them really, 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 really love them. And it made uh-huh. me think about like, a couple of things, one of which is like sometimes there's a, a a specific group that has very specific needs and a product fills their needs and it makes them very happy. And I feel like the, the reason I mentioned the studio display is I think that's the reason for the disconnect between people who say, why don't you just buy a 32 inch curved Dell 4K display and be happy? And we know the answer, which is because there are some very specific attributes of the studio display that don't really exist elsewhere other than the, on that ultra fine that nobody seems to love. And that these are the reasons why that display is is backordered as it is and why people are excited about it within a very specific niche. The HomePod is like that too. Like we think of the HomePod, the original HomePod as a failure because it was a market failure, right? But market failure doesn't mean that it wasn't filling a niche that was perfect for a certain subgroup of people. 
I am one of those people. I adore my two HomePods and stereo pair. And Marco, Marco talking about it, like he said, I did the research. There's nothing out there that matches what the HomePod does. And it's true. Now, one of the reasons there isn't anything out there is because the niche is probably not big enough and it wasn't big enough for Apple. And that's mm-hmm. why Apple did it. It also doesn't make it untrue that the HomePod was overpriced and overengineered. If you're thinking of it from a market perspective of we want a product that's going to sell really well, but that doesn't change that for the people it fits, it is a great product and a tragedy that nobody else, uh, not enough other people bought it for them to keep making it. I mentioned in my article, like my dad's favorite uh, snack chip when I was a kid got discontinued and it was really Uh sad, but like, uh, you know, he couldn't buy enough bags. It really, it had to be a hit (laughs) or they weren't going to make it anymore and they stopped making it. And that's just how it is. And it stinks, but that's how it is. Well, I could put the iPhone mini in that category too. Like it stinks because I love it, but I also get it that as much as I love it, obviously they're not enough of me to meet Apple standards for an iPhone. And those standards are real high, right? Because they they sell a lot of iPhones and they're looking at that many thinking, surely we could do something else that would sell better. And I'm sure that the iPhone 14 Max will sell better. Speaking of the HomePod, Sheriff Mark Gurman is reporting that Apple is still working on a combined HomePod and Apple TV device. This was in Mark's uh, newsletter, uh, Power On. This would also include a camera for FaceTime calls. Mark Gurman believes, Sheriff Gurman believes, there is no specific replacement to the original HomePod in the works at Apple, but expects more HomePod mini devices. This hybrid uh, HomePod Apple TV product is expected to be the centerpiece of the home strategy for Apple into the future. And the expectation is it is a device that is still connected to a TV. So there have been conversations it's before happening. about a HomePod with a screen. It's and maybe happening. that will still come. Maybe. But this is the like this is the, the sound expectation. Bar. Soundbar. This right? is the this is the yeah. Apple soundbar where they're gonna do spatial audio, right? And even if it's one device, right, it's gonna be a soundbar, but they're gonna say, Well, yes, but our spatial audio processing makes it sound like a and you can probably you'll probably be able to add like HomePod Minis, maybe to add to the 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 yep, surround absolutely. or something yep. like that. And it's but it's but it's based on Apple TV, so you hook it in. Um, it's going to have a camera in it that does center stage because if you have the idea of like you're sitting in front of your TV and it's zooming into you to do a FaceTime call with somebody, uh-huh. like it totally. This is I wrote about this like four years ago. It does yeah. fit as a product. This it's interesting the, that they're going to try it. I, as time has gone on since we first spoke about that, more pieces are falling into place, right? Like center stage. Right. Like they're and like actually your building camera technology that would work. Right. And your HomePods that are connected to your Apple TV, right? That's a proof yeah. of concept, essentially, for the idea yeah. of doing the external speakers along with an, an Apple TV device. And then you yep. throw in center stage and it all starts to kind of accumulate. It also accumulates to the idea of a a, a HomePod that you put in your kitchen that does center stage. And they may, they may yet yep. do that, too. But it sounds like you know Mark Gurman thinks the sheriff thinks that this is uh-huh. coming. I also the more HomePod Mini devices I think is interesting. I in my in my piece last week about the HomePod, I think I threw in there that like it seems like with the HomePod Mini they've got something that is a better fit, and that what they're probably going to start doing now is iterating up from there, 
right? Like yep. instead of They'll make that a bit better, right? They make yeah. it better, make it sound better, maybe make a, a version that's more expensive. But what they're not going to do is leap back to the big HomePod because they're like that burned them. Now they're going to try to like start from this new base at the mini, and then maybe yep. th- maybe there will be another HomePod in the future. But what it'll probably be is a little bit bigger, a little bit more capable HomePod Mini, not well, actually the Jason. old HomePod. HomePod is the name of this product. Is this product? Yeah, it might yeah. be. It might be. Because you know how I, you know what made me think of it? It was the way you emphasized the word home. HomePod. HomePod. And the centerpiece of the home strategy, right? That yeah. would be, and it'll be all the other things that an Apple TV already is. It'll be your home, uh, home kit hub. Uh, wonder if they'll put a, you know, maybe they're, they will do a more proper kind of home kit integration into the tvOS update that's well, coming Mata, in June, right? Matter's going to be a thing eventually, sure. and Apple have already spoken even in presentations about, you know, so like it's, it's all going to start coming together. Mm. It's just taking time. Yeah. Uh, Gurman is also reporting that Apple is, of course, working on M3 chips right now. This <laughs> is funny to me. Yeah. The first M3 Mac could be unveiled towards the end of next year. <laughs> next year. So. No kidding. I, people yep. are laughing about this, but it's like he's reporting it because he has somebody saying, yes, we are working on the M3. And yeah. so he's going to say that. Obviously, any of us could say it, but he's got somebody who is specifically working, basically who is working on the M3 saying, yes, we are working on the M3. And it gives us a little bit of an idea that the M series is going to be on an annual timeline, that they're not going to do 18 months or two years. interesting about this is it shows that the foot is still on the accelerator because that was the question that we've had over the last couple of weeks, right? Of like, okay, so the M2 is coming now, like it's going to start happening any day now, right? Like by previous rumors, it could happen imme- right. imminently. Which is um, actually an 18-month gap from the M1 to the M2. Right. So him saying it, it may be end of next year, um, I guess that's I guess that's another 18-month gap. So that maybe that's the pacing, is mm-hmm. is an 18-month gap between these things. And that's what we want, kind of wanted to get an idea of. Yeah. Um, Mark also does confirm that he does still believe an iMac Pro is in the works, but it will not be anytime soon. Yeah, I think that's one of those things where he has an idea of what products are imminent, and that's not and imminent. That. Um, I still think that that product is probably coming based on M2 Pro, and um, my guess would be, yeah, that would maybe be like early next year kind of thing. I think yeah. it'll happen. I just don't think... You know, they they didn't make it a a priority for Generation 1, and it'll probably be late in Generation 2. This episode is brought to you by ZocDoc. Nobody knows what you're looking for in a doctor better than you, and no one's better at giving you the tools to find the perfect doctor than ZocDoc. The people who created ZocDoc found the major pain points in healthcare and made booking a great doctor surprisingly pain-free. ZocDoc is a free app that shows you doctors who are patient-reviewed, take your insurance, and are available when you need them. You can read up on local doctors with verified patient reviews and see what other real humans had to say about their visit. So when you walk into that doctor's office, you're set up to see someone in your network who gets you. Go to ZocDoc.com, choose a time slot, and whether you want to see the doctor in person or do a video visit. And just like that, you're booked. Find the doctor that's right for you and book an appointment that works with your schedule. Every month, millions of people use ZocDoc. In the chaotic world of healthcare, let ZocDoc be your trusted guide to find a quality doctor. To talk from my own experience of the liberating feeling of virtual doctor appointments, like being able to 
book an appointment and have it only take the time out of my day, which is the actual appointment, not like going to the surgery, waiting in the waiting room, like being able to actually just be like, all right, it's going to be at this time and we'll call you or be at this time and log on to the system and you can just keep doing what you're doing until the doctor connects, like whatever way it's done. That kind of stuff is just, I find that fantastic. And I think also the big benefit is you don't have to wait for months. Like one of the most frustrating things to me, you call the doctor surgery and like, yeah, well, I'll appoint for you in six weeks. Like, I don't need it in six weeks. I need tomorrow. And that's what is so great about this. So go to ZocDoc.com slash UpgradeFM and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then start your search for a top-rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours. That's ZocDoc.com slash UpgradeFM. One last time, ZocDoc.com slash UpgradeFM. Our thanks to ZocDoc for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. Let's do some hashtag ask upgrade questions to finish out today's episode of Upgrade. The first comes from Gene, who asks, There are at least four modifier keys you can use to create keyboard shortcuts. Five if you use the hyper key. The hyper key is when you bind, is it all four of them to yeah. one key? A lot of people do that with caps lock yeah. and stuff. Uh, so the possible combinations for shortcuts that you choose yourself could be infinite. Do you have a personal system for creating keyboard shortcuts that make them easier to remember? Um, I bought a stream deck. <laughs> that is perfectly valid as a thing, right? Or I mean, like for me, like I've used macro pads yeah. where it's just like, I don't need to remember the the shortcut itself, just what it does. Similarly, I use a Wacom tablet and the Wacom tablet has eight buttons on the side that I programmed to do different things in logic. So I know what these buttons do. I don't necessarily remember what key... Um, like combinations they're uh, assigned to. Yeah, there are a few things where I've tried to bind it to a normal kind of keyboard shortcut, like for, you know, inserting a markdown link or something like that, that I, I try to assign yeah. to every app and do it that way. And that's like command K or command shift K or there, there's just yeah. some different versions of that. But so many of them, it is hard to remember. That's why I got a stream deck is because I wanted to have a visual representation of it. It's actually why I would love um, for Apple down the road, or or also, I'll say this, it's an opportunity for keyboard manufacturers too, to have something like a Stream Deck, but it's the F keys. So, the, so what you mean is like, it's like a bar that you could touch. Kind of, but it would be physical keys, <laughs> and then you could, pr- and then you would actually use software to control what they yeah. showed and what they did. But mm-hmm. but sort of like a bar that you could touch because the yeah. F keys. That's the problem I have with the F keys is F keys are inscrutable. It's just like mm-hmm. oh F six. Well now and then Apple has taken over the F keys and turned them all into like hard system hardware shortcuts. So n- then you're like oh do I keep those or do I have to press the the function? I like key that they put the the icons the on, key. The, on them right like to to show you what they. Well do yeah that, like, they've repurposed the them for that. But that's yeah. that's the thing. So. It basically, in the end, this is why I bought a Stream Deck to begin with, is not because of all the whizzy automation stuff. It really was because I like the idea of mapping some of the things that I do that were previously, you know, sh- is it Shift-Command-Alt-S, or is it Shift-Control-Alt, or is it Control-Option, or option, but my keyboard says Alt, or is it Control-Option-Command? Like, which three is it? And... I would and do the wrong one and be like, uh, and undo that. Now I'm going to do this new one. And, and, uh, now I have several things on a, on my stream deck that it's just, it's that function. And so like, I just, I just press the button that has the label that says it does this. 
And that's better. Like I, I, so I don't have a strategy because I find it very hard to remember other than other than some very specific things. Very hard to remember these, um, you know, a mnemonic for how, not only what letter is it or number or or F key, but which modifiers I'm pressing. It's just it's too much. So I most of mine uh, that I use for like quick navigation stuff on the Mac, I use a combination of command and option and then some key so like for fantastical it's command option c and it drop, brings down fantastical from the menu bar mm-hmm. and then i have um the same with p for pcalc now ideally if i hadn't been using fantastical for so long that would be f and then like but anyway. right Right, but Fantastic House is just that way. And also, a friend of the show, uh, David Sparks, has been on a personal crusade to get me to use Moom for window management, mm-hmm. and I have been recently, and I use Command, Option, and then a bunch of letters to do some window management stuff, and I actually really like it. I'm mm-hmm. getting more into that now. Yes. Um, and I'll put, I'll put a link in the show notes. He made a video after trying to convince me, and then the video that he made finally convinced me. So. <laughs> uh, Aaron wrote in and says, If Apple were to make a fitness-only wrist device as discussed on episode 403, would you still feel the need to wear it through the day to capture steps, stand breaks, etc.? So this is something I was looking for more, yep. right? Like I've spoken about as a bunch, that I wish that Not Apple a would just make a band, right? Not a watch. And yes, I would wear it the whole day because that's kind of the whole point. Yeah. My thing is I want to be able to get all of the fitness tracking without having to wear Apple's watch. So I could still feel free to wear other watches, but still get all of the exercise and fitness tracking and all of the sensors. So yeah, I would just wear it on my other wrist, like a bracelet. Like yeah. that's, that's that's the, the plan, idea. Right? Yeah, but yep. one day I wished. Uh, Dom asked, do you think Apple will return to making routers at some point with more routers? Routers? Routers, routers at some point. Routers, routers at some point with more services being focused on cloud and internet connectivity these days. Oh, I, I think they're firmly out of this I business. Don't, I do not I don't. think they need to come back to it. This isn't like the other stuff. I, like, I think, this isn't like monitors. I mean, I would, I would love for them to do it, but at this point they would be competing with some products that are basically using the Apple playbook. And I don't... They would need a very strong story to tell and it would have to be about security and privacy it would have it would have to be about like overriding uh all of your basically like building their own vpn into it or something like that like private browsing that they're building into their devices instead right so i think it's probably unlikely it's not an area where i'm sure that they can make a difference but i'm not sure they can make enough of a difference given that no. you've got euro and orby and stuff like that the, the products that exist in this market are all just genuinely good and there's a lot of them right like this isn't i don't think that and it's also i feel like this is the kind of product where it's kind of it stays out of your way and apple don't really make stay out of the way products anymore yeah they yeah. make the stuff that you're interacting with. They want the, and then they they have, want the infrastructure, right? They want the infrastructure, and then they can do stuff like the um, HomeKit secure router if they really want to, right? And you can, you, they can keep making that stuff more. Like this gets to to the um, question of should Apple make light bulbs, right? Yeah. <laughs> for smart home, like that. That that's that's what this falls into for me these days. Yeah, where and do you draw that the answer? Line? Is no. Like the answer is no. no. Like I, I, you know, like. Um, I use Eero at the studio and I have an Orbi at home and I have great 
results with these products. Like I, I have no. This well, isn't like right. some of the other stuff. I'm not like, oh, please get, let me get airport back again. Like it, I just don't feel that way. If at all. Eero or Orbi didn't, if those didn't exist, and so everything was yeah. still just old style routers, I would say that there was more of a space for Apple to come in and say, look, look, we've done this. But that's what those products did: is take an Apple-like approach to it. So the ability, so if you're Apple and you're looking at where you pick your spots, something like that is like it's kind of already covered. And and yeah. while I could see them again making it a cornerstone of their strategy, if they they would need to make it more they really would need to lead into the privacy thing and say these are all apple secured and all the traffic that goes through them uh goes to our network and your provider doesn't look at it and like they would have to make it this like super security product and i don't think they want to do that i don't think the customer experience would be very good on that like it just doesn't seem like this is an area where apple is going to be able to add enough to make it worth doing and it's like if they didn't have the ability for, say, like HomePods or iPads to be home hubs. I could imagine it. But they sure. already have that. But they, so they don't, you yeah, know. Yeah, exactly. They don't need it. Finally today, Ryan writes in and asks, Spatial audio with head tracking. Is this a case of Apple trying to make fetch happen? <laughs> it's not something that I particularly enjoy, and I have definitely heard other people complain about it, and I'm wondering why Apple is trying so hard to market it as a big feature. Why is Apple pushing the spatial audio and head tracking feature to this level? It is not subtle. And no. when you're demoing spatial audio, the subtleties of spatial audio, which remember, if you're doing it in in a pair of headphones, what it's doing is it's taking multi-channel and processing it into stereo dynamically based on your head position. So you can have things positioned behind you and you turn a little bit and they they turn along with your head but it's subtle and the head tracking where your uh, audio is coming out of the device that's right in front of you is not Mm -hmm. subtle and that's my answer apple likes this feature because you can tell it's happening and be impressed by the whoa i can't believe it's like that oh And yeah. that, I think that's the truth because I think that it's not subtle and that there demo, are subtle right? benefits that people might get out of spatial audio in other environments that are not. I mean, I, I can see how some people might like it, but I don't I, I think that it's um, it's also it just demos well. It's like the equivalent of having the TVs at the Best Buy in uh, in in show, you know, showroom mode where they're super bright and saturated and like you'd never want to watch a TV like that in your home. But they they have them like that in the in the on the show floor because they're trying to sell you on them and they want to stand out. It's a little like that, I think. So for me, one of the things that actually annoys me the most out of this feature is not so much that it does the head tracking thing, which I know bugs people, right? Of like your iPhones to the left, and so it always that's where it always sounds like the audio is coming from. Like I know why it annoys people. What annoys me about it is if you turn your head for long enough, it just recenters. It's right, because like, it doesn't. It doesn't actually know where your iPhone is. I know. It's but like that annoys me. Right? It annoys yeah. me. It's like commit to this. If you're gonna do it, commit to it. Don't like then all of a sudden break it. Like yeah. it, you know, like that 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 frustrates me. I like spatial audio in general. Jury's out for me a little bit with the head tracking part. I leave it on, but I don't know how I feel about mm, I turned it. it. But off. I think in general, the spatial audio technology is excellent. But the, I think one of the other problems of head tracking is a thing that I've observed many people do, which is the first time that they're on a plane and they think that they haven't connected their headphones and they freak out. Yeah. Right. Like Adina had this. She's like, she thought she was playing her movie out 
loud. I was like, no, no, no. Like I was like, no, no, it's just the AirPods are just, you know, they're doing their thing. But yeah, spatial audio is cool. I think you're right. The reason they do the head tracking is so they can actually demonstrate spatial audio yeah. to people that otherwise maybe can't pick it up um, uh, otherwise. And this won't be a problem with the VR headset, right? They'll just, uh, yeah, <laughs> it'll be, and you, they'll actually know where your it, right? head is. <laughs> that's why they're building all of this technology. It's just like another part of it. It is. This is like, you know, it's more uh, augmented reality, but for mm-hmm. audio. And they, they, this is all, again, we're talking about that HomePod thing, right? It's like, I think over the last few years, you can see that they are building all of these individual technologies and they're coming towards, like they're all moving towards each other. And this is just another one. This is a thing that yeah. Apple does, that as secretive as they are, so often it happens that they release a product and you look back and realize that they put all of these pieces together over several years in public and then put them in a product. If you'd like to send in a question for us to answer on the show, just send out a tweet with the hashtag AskUpgrade or use question mark AskUpgrade in the RelayFM members' Discord, which you can get access to if you sign up for Upgrade Plus. Go to getupgradeplus.com and you can sign up $5 a month, $50 a year. We talk about Elon Musk and Twitter today. And if you want to hear our thoughts about that, you you can uh, can go get it. Uh, It's the only place we're going to talk about it for now. So (laughs) if you want it, uh, you got to get upgradeplus.com and you can get those opinions. Uh, Thank you so much to ZocDoc, Text Expander, and CleanMyMacX for the support of this show. Uh, If you want to find Jason online, you can go to Twitter. He is at JSnell. For now. (laughs) Don't do that. Uh, (laughs) uh, You can go to sixcolors.com. Jason will have a bunch of great content and coverage of Mm. Apple's uh, Q2. Charts. Q2, right? It's Q2. Yep. Yep. Q2 results. Are you going to be live streaming? Yeah, we'll do a live stream sometime in the afternoon after the event is over because there's nothing more exciting than watching two guys uh, on a video show you charts. Oh, well, then there's something even more exciting, maybe, is listening to two guys talk to you about those charts. Next week. be happening next week. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm Mike, I-M-Y-K-E. Yeah, I think that's it for this week's episode of Upgrade. Say goodbye, Mike Hurley. <laughs> goodbye, Mike Hurley. <laughs> yeah.